Thank you, Betty. Thank you so much. If you have your Bibles, open the book of Luke, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. Then in a little bit, we're going to flip over and look at the book of First, uh, First Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look at the uh, qualifications there of a deacon. See what the Bible says about this. Tonight is a very special night. Uh, Richard Carroll, uh, not only we're going to look here what the Bible says about uh, the book, uh, book of Luke chapter 5, we're going to ordain Mr. Richard Carroll as a deacon. Being a deacon is something that uh, every man growing up uh, should be uh, taught, and um, uh, young men should be aware, uh, fathers should be deacons. These are your leaders and servants in a church. And it's one here where, uh, here at Broadway, we're very blessed to have a wonderful deacon body. Deacons, according to the scriptures, are servants. What happened is in, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6, they were starting to have some problems. And the problems were where they distributed food. Well, all of a sudden, the, um, the Greek women, the Greek widows, were not receiving as much food as the Jewish widows were. And a dispute broke out. So the solution is what the Holy Spirit decided, led the disciples to do, is to designate men to serve as deacons. Because the apostles, they did not have time to serve food all the time. The disciples, serving food all the time, they wanted to concentrate their time to the preaching of the word and to prayer. So deacons stepped up and were able to serve so the uh, 12 disciples were able to spend time in prayer. And it, it, it works um, in, incredible. That was uh, God's plan. There's two officers in a church, the office of pastor and the office of deacons. And, this, and there's biblical qualifications. Being a deacon, it's, um, it's really all about character. That's all it is. When you look at the qualifications, it's not skill set. Skill will take you a long way, but it won't keep you there. Character is what takes you might not take you as far, but it just keeps you going with your character. You just keep on going and going and going. Like this morning, I preached on Billy Graham and shared about him. The reason why he had a 70-year ministry is because he had character. Whereas other guys would get tripped up on year 15 or 17 or 23, and they'd, they'd make some bad decisions, and that would, that, would, uh, that would hurt their influence in their character. And that would, in many ways, end their ministry. So uh, the Bible's going to tell us here that we won't, to have deacons who are men of character. So what's going to happen this service today? I'm going to speak here for a little while, and then after that I'm going to invite Richard in a little bit to come forward, and he's going to take a microphone, and he's going to share. And then after that, he's going to sit here in this chair, and I'm going to invite all the men who've been ordained to either being a deacon or ordained to the gospel ministry, whether in this church or another church, to so come by and we'll have a special time of laying on our hands. And we see that in the Scriptures. We, we lay our hands over and we pray over the men we're ordaining. I was ordained at First Baptist Church in New Orleans. It was actually one of their Wednesday night services. And um, they had tons of guys there. And I felt like, gosh, it went on forever. I was just remember sitting there. And what was, um, I don't want to say it was amazing, what was almost silly about it, it seemed like every guy, they come up there, and you think they're having a prayer. The first minute, they have to crack a joke. <laughs> and then they pray over you. They always had to say. So it wasn't always like that. What they, a lot of them always would say something cute, and then they would pray over you. So that's, um, that's how it would go. But it's one you only become an ordained uh, minister or ordained deacon one time. So even if Richard were to move to California, would that ever happen, Richard? Move to California, out on the left coast, way out there. And he goes and joins First Baptist Church of Los Angeles, California, and they asked him to be a deacon, he wouldn't have to get reordained. They would recognize his ordination here. So you only become an ordained deacon one time. 
So he's going to come and share. We'll, we'll have all the men line up and pray over him. And then I'm going to have, he's got his ordination certificate. I'm going to set up a little thing here. If you pray over him, you need to stop by and sign on the back of the ordination card that you prayed over him. That way the years he'll be able to look back and see uh, the godly men who certainly prayed over him. So, and then um, close the service, you'll be able to come by and, and congratulate him and his, his wife, Adrienne, and their children with that. But it is an exciting time. But I want you to turn your Bibles here. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. On Sunday nights, we've been going through the book of Luke. The book of Luke is my favorite a book of Luke. I think what we'll do, when we finish Luke, we have to go to Luke part 2. And Luke, Luke part 2 is the book of Acts. So this entire, our entire Sunday night series, because the book of Acts just literally picks up right where Luke ends up. So then the Sunday night sermon series for 2018 is Luke in Acts. And we're seeing the story of Jesus. Then we're going to see, when we get to the book of Acts, we're going to see how the early church just exploded and how it, uh, the Holy Spirit just uh, moved them forward and what they were doing here. But look here in verse 17. This is one of the great Bible stories, and it's, it's also a special and important Bible story because we see here the strength of, um, of some men who had a friend who was sick. And in many ways, you tie this in with being a deacon, this is what a deacon does. A deacon helps sick people. A deacon helps their friend. A deacon is certainly right there assisting them. So verse 17, it says here, On one of those days, while he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of law, we're sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also some from Jerusalem. Now you say, why were all these Pharisees and teachers of the law following Jesus? Was it because they loved Jesus? No, they were there. You know, could you just imagine, you're up here preaching and you know you have a little group over there. The only purpose they're here is to see if you'll trip up and to kill you. <laughs> I mean, that's literally what they were going to do. So there, of course, he's up here teaching, and he's got his little group over there who just don't like him in the corner. So that's the setting we have going on right here. I mean, poor Jesus, every time he preached, everywhere he went, he had this little group that were doing that. So look what happens here. They come from every village of Galilee and Judea, and also from Jerusalem, and the Lord's power to heal was in him. So God was uh, able to um, give Jesus the power to heal. Just then... Some men came, carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him in down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Have you ever been to a church service and you couldn't get in the door? I was watching, I've been watching all the Billy Graham specials on TV. There's a lot of them out. There's one that's coming on tonight at 8 o'clock you need to watch as well, I think on Fox News uh, or Fox Channel. But um, I was watching one. He preached in Russia uh, 30 years ago, and place was packed. And literally they opened the windows so folks could hear uh, the gospel being preached. I think in, my, in, in all my years, maybe two different times, I've been in worship service and I'm just not talking packed. I'm talking packed, packed. Where not only are their chairs lined up against the wall, people are standing literally right there at the door. They brought in chairs in the front, so there's more. There's a bonus aisle. You, you, and that's really the front row. They're sitting right here. And then on top of that, they had to get people to join the choir 
to put them in chairs. It was a packed worship service. I think Jerry remembers that one. And it was one where uh, a great speaker come in. But one of the things with a packed crowd is there's a sense of excitement and anticipation. Because all of a sudden, you want to be there because everybody else is there. If you want to eat at the restaurant, have you ever gone to a restaurant and you walk in and you think, there's no one here? Is, do they know something I don't know? So is there, uh, there's a reason you want to go, naturally you want to go where their folks are going. So, so that's what's going on here. These guys show up, and the house, the place where Jesus is preaching, is full. They can't get in. So what do you do? Well, these guys, what I love about these four guys, they have a paralyzed friend, and only Jesus can heal him. Most of us, we would have gave up. We would have turned around and said, well, I'm sorry, there's no parking places. They can't get in the building. I mean, it's five deep to get in. You know, it's just not God's will to get healed today or hear the, hear the preacher. But you know, when, when you are determined, when you are insistent, says, God, I'm, I, it's no accident that I'm here. These guys thought, well, let's, let's tear the roof off. I mean, could you imagine being in a worship service and here comes the guy being lowered down? And that's literally what's happening. So all of a sudden, the roof tiles, and, and they had thatch huts back then. That was what, so it was very easy. They weren't concrete buildings with wood, so you were able to rip a hole in the roof. Now, granted, these guys, whoever owned this house, this building, they're going you know, to have to pay a fee. To, I mean, someone's going to have to fix this mess and clean up what we've just done. So all of a sudden, uh, here comes, I mean, you think about the anticipation. You're at a worship service, and a man's flying down on a stretcher. Right in front of you. Right in front of Jesus. So there's a sense of excitement here. Now, this is what's powerful about this story. And this is the type of faith all men, especially deacons, and all women certainly want to have here. It says, seeing their faith, verse 20. Now, whose faith did Jesus see? He's not looking at the man flying down on a stretcher. He's looking up, and he's seeing the faith of the friend's who are lowering them down, seeing their faith. These four guys, he says, well, isn't that something? These guys really believe I can heal them. They rip the roof out. This is a show. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, something's wrong with that statement. What's wrong with that statement is that's not what they were trying to pick up. They weren't trying to get saved. They didn't want the guy just to get saved and, his, and for him to come down. They, just, they wanted him to be healed. Jesus didn't heal the man initially. He forgave his sins. Now remember our little crowd in the corner. They don't like this. I mean, think about it. What if you went to a church service and the preacher's up there going around forgiving everybody their sins? Not praying for God to forgive them. No, forgiving them directly. You think, who does this guy think he is? That's exactly so. Remember, verse 21. Remember the little the corner there over here, the Pharisees and the scribes. Verse 21. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to themselves, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They did not say that out loud. They're thinking this. They're, 
they're literally looking for any possible way to arrest and get rid of Jesus. They're having these thoughts. Verse 22, one of the great things what God can do is, God is omniscient. Jesus is omniscient. Omniscient omniscient means Jesus knows everything. Every single thought you have needs to be captured by Jesus Christ because He knows it. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what your intentions really are. He knows your motives. He knows if you really do have clean hands. Even if you can fool everyone else, Jesus knows the truth. So, in verse 22, but perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them. Now, this is what's unusual. Remember, we're in a packed house. People hanging out of the windows, the doors, hanging out of the roof now. We've got people everywhere. And this little group here in the corner is only thinking a thought. Haven't said anything. We're watching the show. But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, Why are you thinking this in your hearts? But he's not talking to them directly. He's talking to everybody. So he's answering their thoughts with a comment to the whole crowd. And they don't realize it. They don't realize the guy can read your mind. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, are forgiven you, or to say, get up and walk? Now, let's answer that question. Which is easier to say? Now, if you came to church tonight, and Richard's sitting here in a chair, and I said, Richard, say Richard broke his leg, and he was crippled tonight, but he still came for deacon ordination. He's sitting in the chair. I said, Richard, your sins are forgiven. Y'all wouldn't know if I could forgive his sins. I could get away with that. Now, some of you would think, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? But you wouldn't know. Only God can forgive sins. But if I said, Richard, I know you've broke your leg, and you're crippled, and you can't walk, but get up and walk. And then he stands up, and he falls over, and he doesn't walk. That would make me look like I can't heal people. So what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, yeah, guys, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking anybody can just come along and say, your sins are forgiven. Because I'm really not putting myself, I mean, you might hate me for it, you might cause me, accuse me of being blasphemous, but you really can't say, how do you know if I did or didn't? That's only God can do that. So they're probably thinking, well, of course we can't catch him if he's just going to say your sins are forgiven. But look what Jesus does here. Verse 24, But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now understand what Jesus is saying. Don't miss this. He's saying, I want you to see how I have the authority to forgive sins. So where do... How is he going to display the authority to forgive sins? Remember, at this point, the four guys did not want, nobody wanted forgiveness. He wanted them to be healed. But he says, I'm going to show you how I have the authority to forgive sins. He told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your stretcher, and go home. Immediately, he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Then... The people wanted a miracle. They wanted the man to be healed. Jesus cared more about not the healing, but about whether that he had sin in his heart that needed to be forgiven. So then Jesus was trying to show to the people, says, not only can I forgive people their sins, I can also heal them. And then the people were impressed. And it says here in verse 
26, you know, they're glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God, and they were filled with the awe and said, we have seen incredible things today. The power of this story was that Jesus Christ is not only able to just heal us, church, He's also able to forgive us. Part of being a deacon and the message of being a man of God or a woman of God is bringing a message mainly of forgiveness. Healing is great. God wants folks healed in a healing ministry Jesus offered. But what is more important than healing? It's whether or not folks are saved. Jesus went to the heart of the issue that man flying down out of the roof. It wasn't he needed to be healed. He needed Jesus and his sins to be forgiven. Jesus knew that man's greatest need. And what saved the man was not his faith. It was the faith of the guys up there. They believed in that they could get to Jesus. And not only did that guy get saved on a stretcher, he also got healed. He received a double blessing from the Lord. That is what deacon ministry does. Deacons know what's most important. I've said, every time we have deacon ordination, I'll say, here's what happens when you become a deacon. You get two buckets in your hand, Richard. You're going to get a bucket of water and a bucket of gas, a fuel. So one day, somebody's going to come up to Richard, and they're going to complain. They don't like the music. They don't like the video. They don't like the sermon. They don't like the way people dress. They, whatever it is. It could be anything. They don't like the color of the carpet. They don't like the new pews. They're just going to complain. Richard can take that bucket of gas right here. And he can pour it on that. And then we can have a really big fire. And we can let everybody know about it. They're complaining. Or he immediately could take that bucket of water and pour it on it. And it dies out. How we respond to people shows whether or not we're going to drown something out or pour gas on it. And it's easy to pour gas. In many ways, pouring gas is more fun. Because you get a big fire, a big flame, you get more phone calls, you get some drama, it's exciting. But that is not what it means to be a man of God. Richard, what it means to be a deacon, and the charge we're about to read here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, is we're to be men of character, above reproach. So when people complain, or they have an accusation, or they're not happy, God is looking at how we respond. Look what it says here. I want to read it to you. This is what the qualifications for being a deacon. Deacons, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must also be tested first. If they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. So we see the character right there of the deacons. Wives, too, must be worthy of respect, not slanders, self-controlled, faithful in everything, Deacons are to be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households competently. For those who have served well as deacons acquire good standing for themselves and the great boldness in the faith and that of Jesus Christ. What's so powerful about that is they have a boldness. Those men that lowered down the man from the roof, they were bold. Jesus saw their faith. Jesus Christ wants men in this church who are bold, men of character, people that are going to advance the gospel. We want to be a church that has a pipeline, Kevin, of young men who are called and equipped and growing to being a deacon. We should regularly be ordaining guys in their 20s, 
30s, and 40s, and 50s here. Of just coming up through the pipeline, of maturing in their faith, and saying, God's raised me up to be a godly family, a godly husband, and a deacon here at my church. Richard, it's exciting to ordain you. Richard's family is with Adrienne, who's sitting there behind him, and also they have three children, Chloe, Connor, and Chandler. And I teach Chandler in Sunday school. So I'm there, I'm his, they come to Sunday school every week, and they're faithful in there, and they certainly teach their children about, about the Scriptures. Is, uh, uh, Adrienne, uh, Richard's, wife, Richard's wife, is uh, in the process of becoming our women's ministry director here at our church. So it's exciting to see this family get more and more connected. So at this time, Richard, I'm going to get a microphone, and I want you to come up here and give a testimony of what the Lord's been doing in your life. This one here. Van, this is microphone number two. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. 
Thank you, Richard. Thank you so much. I'm going to ask Richard to sit right here, and I'm going to invite all our deacons. If you're an ordained deacon or you're an ordained minister of the gospel ministry, we're going to create a line right here, and we're going to, um, Betty's going to play on the piano. We're going to have a time of laying on hands. You'll just come forward and lay your hands on Richard and pray over him. And then audience, you could be praying for Richard and his family as well, and certainly for him to be a godly deacon. So at, and then after you pray, what we'll do is you'll sign the back of his deacon ordination certificate, and I'll put it right there so that you can walk right up and you can certainly sign that. God, I pray right now for Richard. God, just thank you for his faithfulness and his love that his mother gave him and my friendship with him. I pray you make him into a godly man. Lord, I just pray for you to do a mighty work in his life. Lord, I just pray that he will be the deacon for many decades, Lord, giving all his time to you. And I thank you for his testimony, and I pray for his children. They will grow up. And they will also, his two boys will be deacons as well. I thank you for Richard in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate that.
Thank you, men, for that. We want to present this certificate here to Richard as being an ordained deacon. So congratulations, Richard, for that. We do appreciate that. That's one for all the men just signed it. We also, you know, I'm a promoter of the CSB study Bible here. So we give him a, a Bible with his name on it, a great deacon Bible. So he, can, he certainly uses it. So the, congratulations, Richard. It is. It's exciting for that. We've, it's a wonderful accomplishment having the men ordained. Adrian, I want to invite you to come forward as well. So I want to, uh, we're going to close out our service here, and um, we're going to, uh, Gene's going to sing us, a, have, a, I think, a song for us, and right when it's done, I, everybody needs to come by and congratulate Richard and Adrian. They're, they have three children. They're, we do Team Kid on Sunday nights, and their children are downstairs in Team Kids, so that's where they're at right now. So you do come by and congratulate them, shake their hand, and let them know that you're certainly praying for them. So uh, Gene's going to close this out. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> You're going to like that Bible. You are. I'm going to move this chair. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hear His voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come. We'll get our video. Father and Jesus, our Son, is with Him the glory. Great things I have done. Can I get y'all's picture real quick? It's okay. All right, one, two, three.